Okay, so to, today's topic is, what's the deal with simanim on Rosh Hashanah night? Do I really have to eat the head of a fish? The question that's on all of your minds, I know. So the answer to that, and the quick answer is, no, you do not have to eat the head of a fish on Rosh Hashanah. You do have to eat the head of a lamb. Um, no, truth is, you don't have to eat that either. Let's talk a little bit about simanim, this idea, where did it come from? How do we do it? What's the mechanics of all of these special foods that we eat on Rosh Hashanah? night. Where did this custom come from? Where is the origin of this idea that there are special foods? So this custom actually dates all the way back to the Gemara. So it's a real bona fide custom and it is as authentic as they come. We actually have two references in the Gemara of this particular custom. Both come from the sage known as Abaye. Abaye says once in Masechus Kritzus and once in Masechus Horios. Now that we say in the topic of where he's coming off of that Simana Milsa, that the idea of an omen is substantial, that we, we do things to signify certain uh, omens that we want good things to happen. Abaye says, since we say in certain contexts that it's a real thing, therefore he says on Rosh Hashanah, a person should be careful to eat. And then he lists five particular foods that a person should eat on Rosh Hashanah. It's actually of note in the two sources that we have, one time Abaye says you should just bring to the table, and one time he says you should actually eat it. Our custom certainly has become to eat it as well, but in in the actual original source, in one of the two sources, he simply says it should be brought to the table. There's a third source that we have, one of the early Rishonim in the Ran, when he quotes uh, this, uh, this custom, he says you should hold the item and recite a certain request, the request that we have while we're holding that. And so that really gives the, that's like sort of in between the two. There's like just putting it on the table, there's eating it, and then there's holding it and making a certain request of the certain things that it is that we want. Now, what are the particular foods? Where and how did that develop? So again, the Gemara actually lists five particular foods. Rashi understands that all five of the foods symbolize quick growth or something sweet, that it should be an omen that we should grow both individually in our families and as a people, as a nation, <coughs> excuse me, and that it should be a uh, sweet year. The Gaonim, when they comment on these particular five foods, mention that all of their names of the five foods, and the names are Aramaic names, which was the language of the day, the names symbolize good omens, either that we should have merits, that we should increase our assets, or that our number should increase, or that our enemy should be cut down, but that the, fo- the five particular foods that are mentioned all have names that symbolize something good, something positive, something meritorious for the Jewish people. The Gaonim then add that once that's the reason, okay, so Abaye happened to have listed five, but those were the five foods that he was familiar with in his area that had names which symbolized something good. But you can certainly add any other food to those part- that particular original list of five that has any particular meaning. And for example, the Gaonim, the Gaonim were the, the um, period of time right after the Gemara was sealed from around the year 500 to 800 in in that general area, they're the first ones to mention the idea of eating the head of a lamb and that that should symbolize that we should be always leaders, we shouldn't be subordinate to anyone else uh, or the custom to eat fatty meats 
uh, which is based on a Pusik in Sefer Ezra that describes the Navi, described to the Jews of the time of the Rosh Hashanah when they first came back after the first exile. And the Navi tells them, go home and you should eat mashmanim, you should eat fatty foods and drink sweet drinks uh, to celebrate uh, the day. The Tur mentions, uh, the Tur who was the son of uh, the Rosh, uh, one of the late Rishonim, uh, the Tur writes um, that really... Uh, Jews have always been uh, accustomed to add anything that has meaning. And, you know, it started from a baye in the Gemara, he gave us five. But anything that has particular meaning, uh, a food in the language where the Jews happen to have been, uh, you can eat that too, and it should symbolize good things and good omens and blessings for this particular day. Uh, for example, in uh, contemporary times, Rav Moshe Heinemann, who is a very uh, prominent Rav in uh, Baltimore, is uh, attribu- this custom is attributed to him. I, 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 that's where I've seen it. It could be that others have done it as well. He would eat on Rosh Hashanah a lettuce, uh, half a raisin, and celery. What's the significance between eating lettuce and half a raisin and celery. Well, if you say those three things together, let us have a raisin celery, you end up with, let us have a raisin celery, uh, all from those particular foods. And so he said, that's also a good omen on, uh, on Rosh Hashanah. My brother-in-law would uh, crack open a beer um, because the language of bira is a term that we find in Tanakh Yerushalayim, and he would drink a beer and offer a prayer that Yerushalayim should be rebuilt and the truth is, this is the custom of the Jewish people. Um, we have a list, certainly, of foods that have, are traditionally eaten. But uh, any food that has a particular meaning um, can be uh, eaten as well. Which, of course, leads us to, when did the apple and honey come in? That's certainly not mentioned in the Talmud. The Gemara Abayi does not mention uh, an apple and honey. So we do find that in the tour. The tour, again, I mentioned a few moments ago, does mention that the Jewish custom was written in the 1500s. There was a Jewish custom developed to dip an apple um, and honey. Some comment that simply they didn't have some of the other foods in in different areas of uh, Eastern Europe. Um, but there is a lot of mystical meaning behind the apple. A lot of mystical sources attribute when Yaakov Avinu came into his father Yitzchak to steal the bracha from his brother Esav, and Yitzchak comments that the reach hasadeh, he said, this is so odd, I'm expecting my son Esav to come in, but really, of course, it was Yaakov, and he says, there's a, there's a scent that I'm picking up on, the scent of the field, and the mystics talk about that phrase that it was the scent of Gan Eden that came in with Yaakov and it was the scent of an apple. Um, so there's, and there are a lot of other mystical uh, um, elements of the apple and honey as well. The gematria of honey, of divash, is 306, which is the same gematria as Av Harachamim, the merciful father. So there are a lot of meanings behind uh, the apple and honey as well, that it should, of course, symbolize the sweet new year, but we also have all of those other uh, uh, components as well. Uh, When do you eat these foods? When should you eat them? So there are various customs and they're all totally fine. Some like to right after they wash and have bread, uh, they will do the Seder. They'll take out all of the various different foods and eat them right there. Um, And others, I know in my house, this is what we've become accustomed to. Some will do right away. But most of the foods, Rifki is actually incorporated into the meal so that there'll be a dish with carrots or with leek soup. Um, And so over the course of the meal, 
um, instead of taking uh, a long time as the family has grown and the guest list grows to go through all of these uh, foods sometimes takes a very long time and it's late and people are hungry and what it's Rosh Hashanah. So we incorporate it into the meal, uh, many of the, uh, of the foods. All of that is totally fine. The original source simply was, as the Gemara says, one should either bring to the table or eat these various foods. So over the course of the meal, as long as you eat those foods, you're fulfilling this custom of, uh, of bringing them and eating them, that there shall signify good, good things. Additionally, additionally, the Gemara seems to say all you need to do is eat it or bring it to the table. But what has uh, the Ran, uh, Rabbeinu Nisim, points out that uh, the idea developed already very long time ago from the early Rishonim to add its tefillah. It's not just a matter of eating or seeing them, but that we should daven for certain things as we eat or see these particular foods, and that indeed the tefillah that we say is far more important than actually eating it. The food that's being brought to the table is to stimulate, to inspire us, to want certain things, to ask for certain things, to daven for certain things. But it's not just that there should be an apple on the table, or that we should eat an apple. We should say, Yehiratzon, may it be your will that we should have a Shana Tovo Mesukah. We should have a sweet new year. It should be good, it should be healthy, and all of the things. There are two different customs in terms of the tefillah that develop. One is simply to say, what is it you want? We should have a sweet new year you'll see many of the Sidurim actually print using Hashem's name. Yehi Ratzon Milfanecha, Hashem Elokai, or Hashem Elokai, we actually use Hashem's name as part of the tefillah. They're two different customs. One should just be aware that if you are using Hashem's name, which you can in this tefillah, you're saying Hashem's name. You should, it should be said with significance as part of a tefillah. You know, you need to get everybody's attention. Sometimes the, the, it becomes a balagan around the table, uh, trying to get everybody to, to take the right food at the right time and do what they need to do. But uh, you certainly can, and it is a tefillah, and, there, and it is printed in most of the Sidurim and Machzorim, uh, the full tefillah. What is, um, what is the order of eating and the tefillah, and that really it brings us into one other major important issue, and that's actually the bracha. Do you need to make a bracha on the foods that you eat um, that are the special simanim for Rosh Hashanah? So that really depends on what it is that you're eating. And this gets us back to some of the halachas that we spoke about a long time ago about uh, fruits and um, secondary foods, ikr v'tafel, foods that are secondary to a meal. Generally, when we wash and have bread, all the foods that we're going to eat as part of our meal, we don't make a bracha on that. You don't make a bracha on your potato kogel or on the chicken or on the carrots that you eat, the cooked carrots. It's all part of your meal. And since I washed and made hamotzi, of course I don't make a bracha on any of those foods. However, if you eat raw fruit, in general, raw fruit is not considered part of the meal. It's like a dessert-type food. It's not eaten with bread. It's not part of it. It's after the meal. So that would require a bracha. Here, we've just simply reversed the order and we're eating the raw fruit, let's say an apple, before we have the main course, but it's still a raw fruit eaten during the meal and generally gets a bracha. Therefore, you would make a bore priha eats if you were eating an apple during a meal. And here too, in Rosh Hashanah, you would make a bracha on that. The only issue is 
The issue is as follows. Many people have as part of their simanim dates. Dates is one of the classic uh, simanim foods, as is a pomegranate. Dates and pomegranate are both unique in that they are of the Shivas Haminim. They are of the seven species of which the land of Israel is praised. And therefore, if you had a bowl of fruit in front of you that contains an apple and a date, which one would you make the bracha on, the apple or the date, if you wanted both? Allah would be you'd make the apple on the date because we make a bracha on, on a, one of the fruits of the, of the land of Israel before you make a bracha on an apple. Similarly, if you had a pomegranate and an apple, you'd make a bracha on the pomegranate before you'd make a bracha on the apple. So technically speaking, if you bring all of your fruits to the table and in front of you you have uh, carrots and gourd and the head of a fish and apple and pomegranate and dates, and now you need to make a brach, a brach on the fruit, the first one you would take would not be the apple. The first one you should take would be the date. Then you would take the pomegranate. And then you would take the apple. You only make a brach on one, but it would start with the date before you would make a bracha on, uh, on anything else. So therefore, there are really two uh, solutions to that. One is, if you do want to make a bracha on the apple, because your grandkids sing the song of dip the apple in the honey, and that's what you want to make your bracha on, so you really should not have the dates and pomegranate on the table. Uh, if they're not on the table and you only have the apple in front of you, good, so make a bracha on the apple, because that's, that's the only thing on the table. That's not a problem. Or you can make a bracha on the date or the pomegranate. That's fine. You can do that too. You don't have to make the bori priha eights on the apple. Uh, and then after having the date, then you can uh, dip your apple in honey all you want to your heart's desire is not a, uh, is not a problem. One of the very important halachas as far as that goes, the first fruit that you do make a bracha on, the order should be you make a bracha, bori priha eats, and you eat some, then you say the yehi ratzon, then you can say the tefillah, because since you need to make a bracha on the first fruit you're going to be eating, so first you make a bracha, you eat of it, and then you can say the yehi ratzon. Once you've made a bracha on the fruit, now all subsequent fruits you're going to be eating don't need a bracha anymore, then you can say the Yiratzon first, and then you can eat from it. So it's a little bit confusing, so I'm just going to say that one more time to make sure that's clear. The first fruit you're going to be making a bracha on, whether it's the apple, or whether or not you're going to be making it on the date or a pomegranate, the first time you eat a fruit that night, you make a bracha, borei priya eats, you eat, then you say, may it be your will, Hashem, that we have a, a, a sweet year, or increase our merits, whatever the case may be. All subsequent foods that are not going to require a bracha, you would say, Yihiratzon first. May it be your will that we have a lot of merits. And then you eat the uh, pomegranate. Um, that is the order that it would generally go. All the other foods that are not fruits, like let's say you have cooked carrots or leek or fish or whatever the case may be, they don't need a bracha because those are all general meal type foods anyway. Um, whether you're doing it, like I mentioned earlier, you're actually eating it during the meal or even if you're eating it beforehand, the bottom line is they're all meal type foods and therefore they don't require a bracha. Only your raw fruits um, are the foods that are going to require the bori priha eights, as is printed in your machzor, which says to make a bracha on the apple and honey. And then you dip it in honey um, and, you, uh, and you eat it. 
Um, just a couple, uh, uh, two quick last points. Number one, for those who uh, like the idea of eating the head of a fish or eating the head of a lamb, but they can't tolerate actually eating the head of a fish or a lamb. They want to be LaRoche. They want to be uh, a head. They want to be not subordinate. They want all the good omens of it, but they, they don't want to eat it. So two solutions. Number one, you can, as we said from the original source of the Gemara, just put one on the table and not eat it. So you can just leave it on the table and say the prayer. Um, I see someone suggesting you could put a head of lettuce on the table as well. Or uh, the fan favorite in the Freundlich home is to buy those juju fish, those little gummy candies in the shape of fish. And we cut off the head of the little candy and everybody gets to eat the head of a fish of, uh, of candy. That also works quite well and seems to be a favorite. Uh, everybody seems to like that one as well. Um, last comment, um, and, and uh, probably the most significant out of all of them, is this whole idea, the concept of simanim, of eating, of eating these foods, as we started with, is simana milsa. It's a, it's a good omen. The, the Mishnah Brura, the Chafetz Chaim, writes that at the end of the day, the, the, this whole concept is because Rosh Hashanah is so significant. These two days, the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah, are like the seed of the entire year. Just like when you plant a seed, the nature of the seed that you plant is going to dictate the, 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 the plant that will grow. And if something is wrong with the seed, if it's not whole, if it's not complete, then the plant doesn't grow well. If the soil isn't perfect, it doesn't grow well. Everything has to be, it starts with the seed, and these 48 hours are a blessing, a blessing of sanctity, a blessing of holiness. And the simanim are all about reminding us of how significant these two days are. And far more important than eating the head of a fish, or a carrot, or even a pomegranate, or apple and honey, is that our behavior reflects over these 48 hours the significance of the day. That a person, heaven should forbid, should not get angry at their yontif table, should not yell, should not get frustrated, lose a temper. He brings an example. Can you imagine you're trying to get to see Manim and uh, a husband sits down and his wife brings out the carrots before the apple and honey and he says, what's wrong with you? Everybody knows we're supposed to do the apple and honey before the carrot. He said, you've thrown away the entire purpose. You could eat all the apples and honey you want in the world. You're not going to have a sweet new year getting angry and yelling at somebody, embarrassing somebody at the table. That our, our yuntiv table should be sanctified and the simanim far more than the value of the carrot or the pomegranate or the apple and honey is about reminding us that every word that we say, every action that we're engaged in, the attitudes that we have, they matter and that they should be with, with great care over the course of the day that the seed that we plant on Rosh Hashanah, symbolized by the simanim that we ask, these foods which symbolize because of their name that we should be blessed, we should have merit, we should increase, that our enemies should leave us alone. All of those simanim, the greatest simon that we can have and observe is that our behavior over these two days should reflect all of those tefillah, should reflect all of the prayers that we have, the yearnings of our heart. The prayers are the most important. We should say them with meaning and our actions should reflect indeed that which it is that we want to have over the Rosh Hashanah and over our entire year. May we all be blessed to be written in the Book of Life and have indeed a sweet 
happy, healthy year filled with the good omens and blessings that we so desire.